What's up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You are listening to slash watching the Cult Pop Weekly Discussion Show where we review this week's books and also maybe some other things. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo, owner of Johnny's Destructo's Hero Complex at 4327 Main Street in Philadelphia, PA. With me this week is Len the Bad Tribble, who is rewatching Boardwalk Empire. Len, tell the people something. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, I just finished watching The Sopranos. I was in the mood for crime, but early of 20th century crime, so I went back to the Boardwalk of 1920 to watch Boardwalk Empire, starring Steve Buscemi and Kelly McDonald, produced by Martin Scorsese. I forgot to show that so far, five episodes into the first season, still holds up. Amazing acting, fantastic scenery, um, just spot on work and enjoying every minute of it. I figured it, it would have to hold up since it's based in almost a hundred years ago, right? Like <laughs> it, for it, like make sure it's period accurate. That means it's evergreen for the next one hundred years, instead yeah. of just being real cringy real time. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Also with us this week is Brian, who recently has re rewatched uh, what was it, Superbad and. Old, old school, school. Old yeah, school. and I'll tell you what they have like old school. I loved, and it was I listed it among my favorite comedies for a little while, but I never rewatched it. And I was like, "Is it going to be as good?" And it was really good. It was fun. It was funny. Uh, Superbad was also fun. There's little cringy elements here and there of stuff that's a little outdated, but um, uh, overall, coming of age high school comedy with uh, it was a, it was a good time and a bonus one. I recommended Mrs. Fletcher to my girlfriend, and I was just like kind of watching it out of my eye while I was reading this last week's book. She was watching the last episode. Great show. I love Catherine Hahn, and uh, yeah. it's a really fun show. Out of my normal wheelhouse, kind of indie movie TV show. Fun stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm so no one, no one has talked about this show. I haven't heard oh, anybody yeah. discussing Mrs. Fletcher, and it's fantastic. It's yeah. really, really well done. I love right? it. That last episode was great. Ooh, great episode. And yeah. it's based on a book. I was hoping for more, but he said, nah, no more. But yeah, what a fun what a fun show. So wait, there's no season two coming? No. Oh. He said, oh. yeah, he had written another book that was adapted for a show, and they did do more than the book. And he was like, uh, yeah, we decided there was more story. And with Mrs. Fletcher, there, you know, there's always more story to tell, but I just don't think... I'm going to do it. I, right after I finished season one, when I didn't know it was a miniseries, I was like, when's season two coming out? Yeah. And uh, it's not. So that's it. Um, you just watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll have to. I, um, yeah. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, Catherine Hunt, I didn't. I never really knew her until... What's the... Step Brothers? Oh, is she in that? I didn't know Step that. There's a scene yeah. in Step Brothers where, uh, where uh, she uses a urinal, and it is just my favorite scene in that entire movie. It's comedy <laughs> gold. I nice. love it. Also, with us this week is uh, Enter Enthusiasm Here Enthusiast, Noel Bartocci. Hi. This morning, I'm a coffee enthusiast because uh, I'm really enjoying it. Mm. It's yeah. a long night. 
Yeah, it was a very little sleep. Yeah, yeah. And I'm here. I'm here. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, very little sleep. Of- Sounds like a honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of, I, I keep forgetting to put my ring on. Let me just take care of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and show everybody the ring. Oh, it was just you gonna, only wear it for the show, right? Oh, it's your regular my normal ring. ring. Never mind. No one yeah. cares about that shit. No one is here. <laughs> oh, I got ring. Oh, sweet. Oh, what and that was... was vetoed as the wedding ring. No, so you went. So uh, I no, I realized. I realized like uh, fifteen minutes of wearing the ring for any uh, period of time. I was like, it doesn't really fit right, and oh, really? and and the metal clanks against everything. So for like normal daily wear, I just I, I bought uh, a bunch yeah, of sure. like. What are they called? Silicone rings, yeah. just to like have around the house. Yeah. Oh, the wed- for the wedding ring. I thought you meant you bought the Marvel ring, and you were like, ah, oh well, I'll just leave it on the shelf. Oh, I, I, actually, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just married to I'm married to comics. That's married to, that's yeah. 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 So your omnibus is legally because of me and Jeff Kanata. Oh, you're welcome. That's right. That's, true. that's yeah. right. Je- uh, yeah. I mean, is he ordained? Or you spoke for him? I am. I spoke for him. Yeah. Just, just like people, uh, you know, will bring the word of God. I brought you the word of Jeff Kanata as his uh, emissary. Uh, Christopher, good night. Just binge watch all of Shit's Creek in a week and three days. Hmm. That's not yeah. a week. That's a week and a half. Another week. <laughs> uh, let's week see. and a half. We, yeah. we have uh, correspondence, and then we're going to get to this week's books. I'm scrolling, scrolling for the correspondence. Here we go. Hellblazer update. About a week ago, I wrote in saying that I had started Hellblazer from the beginning and that I was having trouble getting through the first few trades. The completionist in me could not simply could not simply skip issues, so I pushed through. I made it to the Family Man arc, which was good. This has John tracking a serial killer who eventually murders John's father. Seems like an important story point, although the story of issue number 27 Hold Me was good. I could not stand Dave McKean's art. Sorry, JD. I'm not I'm not Dave McKean. You have to apologize to Dave McKean. Uh, Delano wraps up through issue 40 with some solid issues revealing that John was a twin in utero and exploring this. Garth Ennis takes over with Dangerous Habits. Glad I stuck it out and got to this point. John dying of cancer, desperate to save himself and trying to outwit the devils. Since we are at the start of the holidays, I would like to recommend issue number 49, The Lord of the Dance. Ennis presents the history of Christmas and how it supplanted the original celebration of the winter solstice. He does this through a forgotten god who seeks out John's help. John shows him that people still know how to celebrate life. I really love this issue. It is a perfect read for the season. FYI, based on your recommendations, I tried and am enjoying Cy Spurrier's Hellblazer. It is fun reading two different eras of Constantine simultaneously. Question. Sometimes I have to Google British slang terms while reading these books. Do you guys do this? Okay, thanks. And that was Anthony Drago, longtime listener, friend of the show, and customer of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex. Thank you so much. Uh, what did, uh, Do you guys uh, ever look up British slang that you do not know? I, do. I have. I once got a book, uh, Mike Carey, the, the guy who wrote Lucifer, it was like just after Lucifer and he had come out with a book and I was like, I got to get it. You know, I got to read it. So it was only available in England at that time. So I ordered the one from England and I got it here. And apparently they change 
slang in, like they'll translate an English book sometimes, right? And mm -hmm. I'm reading it, and somebody's like, I wouldn't trade that for a big clock. And I'm like, what? Was that an offer? Did somebody <laughs> offer you a big clock? <laughs> Was that on the table? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think, like, I wouldn't trade that for the world or something is what they would have changed it to. Uh, so that is one that stands out in my mind. But yeah, if I don't, if I don't know something, I love to, I love to look it up or try to figure out Cockney rhyming slang or, or whatever. See, I never look it up. I always just uh, try and keep reading and gather from the context hmm. of the story and you know um, what's being said, what it means. And nine times out of ten. I, I get, I feel like I get close enough to what it means. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It doesn't pull me out of the story. To me, actually, I'm more pulled out of the story if I go and look it up. You know what I mean? Um, now, it is kind of fun to be reading comic books that have English slang on it and then watch some British or mm. show or something mm -hmm. and hear the slang there. It's like, oh, now I get the context or I got it right or, or I was yeah, slightly yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, the only place where this kind of messes me up a little bit is when I watch the show Peaky Blinders on Netflix. I definitely have the have the closed captioning on on there because sometimes <laughs> and I just I gotta know see exactly what the hell is being said. Um, but I still don't look it up. I just see what's being said. Like I still don't know, but <laughs> I just know he's talking to that person, uh, and I keep it moving. Nice. I've gotten that with the show Plebs. Sometimes mm -hmm. you guys ever see plebs? Uh, it's like it's a it's a British comedy set in ancient Rome. Yeah, um, and they're like uh, real British. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I know what they mean, but I don't know why they said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I actually had an instance yesterday where I had to look up a word. It wasn't. It's not British slang. <laughs> it's American slang. And uh, someone had mentioned, I forget what the topic of conversation was, but Facebook, someone had brought up the word himbo. And mm. uh, I was like, what? I, I literally asked, like, what is a himbo? And then before they could get back to me, I actually was like, what am I doing? And I just Googled it, and it took me to Urban Dictionary. And uh, himbo is a, a male bimbo. Hmm. Oh, it was in regard to Agent Venom. It was to Flash Thompson. Uh. They had called him Agent Himbo, and I was like, what the hell is a himbo? Anyway, um, but thankfully, thankfully, uh, Christopher St. Saucy Goodnight was on hand uh, in the comment section huh. um, to uh, to chime in and go, JD, how did you not know what a himbo was? So that was a very, very important uh, <laughs> comment to place. Um, and he really, really moved the conversation along. Um so anyway, I had, I do have to look up words occasionally, uh, and I like doing so. I like learning new phrases and stuff. It was a funny moment in um, watching uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire. Uh, I don't know how many people have, have seen the show. Um, Steve Buscemi's character, uh, um, Naki Thompson, he's talking to um, uh, Chalky White, who's a black character on there, mm. and and Chalky White, like, and this, you got to remember, this is nineteen twenty. And he's talking to him about some guy that they're going to try to find. And Chalky White, he says, like, oh, don't worry. We're going to find a motherfucker. And then he walks off. And Steve Buscemi kind of, like, just nods his head. And then he turns to a, a white guy partner of him. He's like, what does motherfucker mean? And, like, <laughs> and it was, like, really funny because, like, 
Maybe that I guess that just became a thing in 1920, or it definitely was more of a a, a colloquialism of, mm-hmm. of Black America at that time, perhaps. So mm-hmm. it was actually kind of that was actually an interesting moment in that show. You know, I think the yeah. The, imagine the first people hearing that phrase would be like, "I'm sorry, you do what now?" <laughs> <laughs> what made you think I did that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thank you so much, Anthony Drago, for writing in. I'm glad that you powered through. Uh, I mean, that's the thing about Hellblazer is that there are myriad of creators and, you know, peaks and valleys as with any run that goes 300 issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the, I'm glad you're able to find some stuff that you like in there. The Garth Ennis run is really great. And Todd Engel, um, homosexual, says, Azarello's run was my favorite Hellblazer. Hard Times and Freezes Over are my favorite stories. So uh, do, are you guys interested in doing a... Um, issue of Hellblazer for the show? The, the sure. one that uh, Anthony Drago recommended? Yeah. I'll check out a, a Hellblazer. Uh, have to see if we can track that issue down for all of us to read. Um, Alright, let's move on to this week's books. How about Batman Catwoman number one from DC Comics written by Tom King with art by Clay Mann. Uh, UCS has this to say about it. Echoing plot points from King's epic Batman run. This sweeping tale is told across three timelines. The past, when the bat and the cat first (laughs) fell in love. The present, where their union is threatened by one of Batman's lost loves. And the future, where the couple have a happy life, including their daughter Helena, the Batwoman. As the story begins, after a long marriage, Bruce Wayne passes away, which frees Selina Kyle to settle an old score. At every stage of their relationship, Bruce and Selina have an unwelcome chaperone. I will not say the name of that chaperone here. Oh, and that lost love of Bruce's? It's Andrea Beaumont, a.k.a. Phantasm. Just thought you'd want to know. So there was a a bit in here that I didn't mention. Because I thought that was an interesting twist at the end that I did not, I was not aware it was coming. And I actually had to, when I reread it, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. Um... What they said that in the solicit? They said, yeah, they said it in the solicit, and I, I mm. cut it. I didn't say it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but Brian, what did you think of Batman Catwoman number one? I thought it was good. I, you know, I like a, um, a possible future story. Um, I, I always get into that kind of thing. I'll tell you what. Um, Alfred shows up in the, in the past, and not about this book. Every time I see Alfred now, I'm like, man, <laughs> it's <laughs> Alfred coming back, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> and it's just harder to bring back a non-superpowered character, and I yeah. hope they eventually do. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a. It has the makings of a a cool side story Batman. You know, like a cool, entirely self-contained. We don't really have to worry too much about continuity. Um, kind of. Well, it's a black label story, so they will seem to have a little more license for that. Um, and uh, the, the art was great. The art is uh, kinetic and, and defined. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to to what is happening. The thing that happens at the end that you left out of the solicit was most interesting. He was one of the, I think, like a page or two. I, I thought, oh, it might, be, it might be this, a page or two before it happened. Oh. Um, but uh, I... I have no way to finish these sentences without kind of giving it away. (laughs) Were you pleased at the reveal or were you disappointed by the reveal? 
No, I thought it was cool. I, I um, it, like I said, this is a, this is an its own thing, um, maybe out of continuity kind of thing, or maybe not out of continuity, but there's future stuff, and that's always kind of out of continuity. <laughs> can I? You know? Can I? Yeah. Can I address that question? Because actually, yeah. in the in the chat, also Christopher Sanksy mentioned, "Wait, Batman Catwoman is not in continuity." So it's written as though it is. Hmm. However, because it's black label, they can choose not to. Whatever the ongoing writer wants to do can choose not to make it in continuity or take pieces of it when it's over. He constructed all this as it would have been the coda to his run. So the mindset of this is in continuity based off of Tom King's run. Do you know what I mean? So like, it doesn't read like it's supposed to be out of continuity or it's a special story. However, they just decided to print it that way. Right. So yeah. you can read this assuming it's in continuity, and then we'll see if they ever like hold on to it or not, just like with comics. But it's not so it's not so far fetched, uh, like a future version or oh my goodness, status quo is is crazy from the beginning. Like it's it reads just like a like just a mini series, which I think is great. Yeah, I liked it. Yes, yes, I I I very much liked this. This was this was um. Um, this was just really, really well done. Like, I, I you know, Tom King has this sweet spot of a very uh, self-contained, well-paced twelve issue, six to twelve issue series without without the extra fat to just indulge. And this was that. This was really, really wonderful. Uh, Len, aka the Bat Tribble, you can. I, I've noticed on my end that you you just, you really don't care about Batman these days. Uh, the, you know, the ongoing title as it is. Um, how do you think this bat cat compares? It's interesting because I have um, just this week have had seemingly a very long running conversation with somebody uh, in regards to whom should be Batman's, um, you know, a perfect paramour as it were. Um, and uh, between Catwoman and Wonder Woman. And I myself fall, you know, steadfastly on the on the side of Catwoman, um, which is what made Tom King's run of Batman so appealing to me. And I have, you know, I'm on the record that I didn't like how I thought he kind of like was that at the end and I didn't like how it ended for the most part. Um, so I was very ambivalent about his whole Batman Catwoman run that he was proposing and then when I heard it was going to be black black um book or black box whatever the hell it's called um black label black, label. black sandbox books. <laughs> <laughs> um and and when I heard heard that I was even less enthused because I knew that that meant that oh he he, he could maybe like even stretch some things or whatever um but duty bound I was going to check it out <laughs> And I'm glad that I did. I thought that it was a very challenging raid. Let's 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 put it up front right there. Um, it does jump time frames um, wildly so because time frames don't jump from page to page. They jump in the midst of pages, which sometimes can be very very confusing, especially if you are not used to the language of comic books, um, and because there is no real discernible artistic change in in the presentation like it doesn't jump back to like black and white because it jumped back in time or you know or like uh you know uh 
desaturated a little bit or anything like that. So um, that can be a little bit jarring. But once you catch on to what's going on, it's an interesting read. And it is definitely to me um, in this first issue alone provides enough evidence as to why Selena Kyle is the perfect um, mate for Batman. Because only Selena Kyle, who after Batman passes, would go on to do what she she does. Um, you know, with respect to the man that she has spent her life with, but also in respect to who she also is and always has been. And now, without that, okay, now let me show y'all how I get down. What you have been saved from for oh so many years. So mm -hmm. I appreciated that. I also appreciated the, the, the uh, nod to history with, you know, the Angela Beaumont character. Um, I like that because that gave legitimacy to that story and to Bruce's feelings about that woman um, because, you know, Bruce has had some women over the years um, and only very few of them have stuck and very few of them have been written in such a way that they are, we are meant to believe they actually permeated his heart, you know, right, that, that space that is, you know, relegated uh, not to Dick Grayson um, and, and, and the rest of the rest of the family. Um, and Angela Beaumont is one of them. So I think giving legitimacy to her was actually very, very special. Um, the, the twist at the end, I didn't mind. It felt true. It felt honest. It felt sincere. I am intrigued about it only because I don't want it to be untold by the end of the story. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the only thing. And maybe the setting of this story being in its own world will allow for that and will allow for this to be just like this perfect, like he wants it to be, this perfect bookend to his run. Um, and if so, then I will applaud him for that. Uh, because as much as I haven't liked Tom, you know, am ambivalent about Tom King's run on Batman, I'm not ambivalent about the man's talent. I do think the man has is a talented writer. Um, so I enjoyed it. And, but it's good as much as I enjoyed the story. The artwork is for me is amazing. This um, this yeah. artwork, I mean, some of the, the the design works of like there's kind of like tweaks on Batman and Catwoman designs in this book. That Joker, oh my god! I mean, this the artwork is absolutely amazing. And um, if this is what Clayman has been doing for the past like what year, I guess almost, then like I ain't mad at you, bro, because you you yeah. There, yeah, there are two things. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say uh, that was the, the saving. Well, there was no saving grace. But if there were to be a saving grace for Heroes in Crisis, Clayman's artwork was it. Mm hmm. Yeah, there, there are two things that I want to mention. Like, uh, you got me all excited, Len. Uh, first of all, like, just jump right on the art. The art saved me in a lot of ways, too, especially when just following the story, because the key to understanding this, reading this, is in her costume. Mm -hmm. So oh. you're able to yep. you're able to kind of identify what time period they're in based off what costume she's wearing. When she's wearing that kind of more utility with white pieces on it, that's the present day. When she is in a classic just black costume, that's the beginning of their relationship. 
Yep. And then you you obviously know when she's older. But it was yep. a it was a very subtle uh, art way to kind of show me back and forth and back and forth. And I didn't catch on to it until like midway through the comic. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. Cool, cool, cool. Um, his uh, changes too. You just said it out loud. Yeah, his changes also. Yeah. His becomes a lot more utility wise with like a belt on his knee and all yeah, he's of stuff, got like but... a, and a and a gray utility belt. Yeah. And also, Good. their eyes Wonderful. are the same color when they're together. Like their costumes become more similar to each other. Yeah, and they the, become the partners. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, That's interesting. Well, the other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, uh, kind of about Tom King's run, but more so the relationship between um, Selena and Bruce, I adored how the end of Tom King's run treated it. Um, in, in kind of a way that your relationship with a cat is tenuous. You can't tame them. You can't force them to do anything they don't want to. And the way that this whole relationship turns out, like in the future, when he passes, she goes back to becoming a cat because she never wasn't. She, hmm. she never wasn't and never won't be. Exactly. Um, hmm. She just has allegiance to him and respects him enough, right? Hmm. So you take him off the table, she will go and take care of things that she knew he would not approve of. And that is just so incredibly true to the character. I, I loved, I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I really liked it. I think my one thing that I noticed and had to talk myself through was Clayman's art. Um, and I noticed it in Heroes in Crisis can be very cheesecakey for no real reason. And so I was prepared for it here. But for this character, for Catwoman, it makes sense. She's hmm. a cat. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and she's a very like, sensual character. And, and always has yeah. been, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the artwork on this is fantastic. I thought the story was really great. I read it twice. I enjoyed it even more the second time. I'm really excited to see where this is headed. Um, we have a couple of comments. Robert Monroe Jr. says, I'm heading to my local comic shop later today. Your recommendations will be added to my pull list. Uh -huh. uh, so we better make them good, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Robert's going to spend money based on uh, our recommendations, so... Um, and then Action Figure Expert says, what if they brought back Alfred as an artificial intelligence like the Bat, the bat Computer? Would you like that? You know, he's not... Uh, um, Tom King wasn't expecting him to be dead forever. Right. Like, right. he was going to reverse it before he left, but DC was like, no, yeah. no, no, this is good. Keep it. Yeah. yeah. It was going to be so, Clayface, I think, right? It was going to have turned out to I be Clayface. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a whole... Because Clayface is technically working with... and Yeah, it was, right. it was supposed to be a whole fate faint but yeah he's dead. yeah from what, from what i understand batman and catwoman were actually supposed to get married in his run and then mm. oh really like, nah interesting interesting now so, with uh with the artificial intelligence thing i'd be all right with that it would feel a little off for the bat family of characters to have that be alfred's permanent status quo you know yeah. if it was a supporting character in a like a, a green lantern book or something like that i could see it a little bit more um, but especially for a short time, and then he finds his way into a new body that was exactly like his old one. Yeah, sure, why not? What is it? What is it? The X Men now? Yeah, it's the X Men now. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like the idea of, of Alfred. I actually don't mind the 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 idea of Alfred being dead. I mean, I think for a long time, as far as in the Batman world, the only deaths that really count are his parents. They're the ones that you know are never coming back. Right. And I know I think it's well Jason well, died for a very long time. Okay, it's, but he came yeah. back. But well, he came back. I mean yeah. and he's been back for a little bit of a so long time. Now too. <laughs> I mean it was it was a different Thomas Wayne. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. That counts. Oh. And, I, and also 
But if you were going to bring Alfred back, then I say just bring him back because I yeah. don't like the idea of him being Jarvis, the voice in his ear, because right. to me, then that that nullifies to a degree Barbara Gordon as Oracle. So I, I and I would prefer her being the voice in the Bat Family ear than Alfred. So, in a way, yeah. having Lucius Fox take on that role, which I feel like is happening, is more similar to the original Alfred, who was somebody that Bruce Wayne employed as an adult. Like he didn't. I think Frank Miller created the whole Alfred raised him in the like in the eighties. Uh, no, 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 no. Alfred, Alfred was Alfred was for a long time their butler from way back. Um, I mean, it's, it's been it, his story actually has been retconned so many sure. times. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And the original Alfred, too. The original Alfred was fat, so right. <laughs> uh, um, and was like a bumbling fool who didn't yeah. even know that they were Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they and what? then they wrote some, like, why hire him? Oh yeah, for real. He was like, he was like a, a jerk off back like in the like thirties and forties. And then I think like some kind of story all of a sudden he went to like some fat camp or something like that and and lost the weight and then he forever was like the the slimmer alfred and Is then it, it, it fat camp. <laughs> yeah butler camp or something and uh, then, yeah a fat camp for 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 your help yeah <laughs> there you go and then <laughs> and then I, to look at them i think it was like <laughs> the 60s or 70s where cuz it wasn't miller it was before miller then I, if I'm sure, if I'm pretty sure that it kind of like started to get retconned about some of his military background and, and you know why he was able to like uh, stitch up Batman yeah. and, and help him through all these other crises and stuff. It's stuff that would have been peppered in over the over the years. I wonder if it was around the show. Not that that fits the Adam West show, but I just know that like he had died before and they brought him back because they, they wanted to use him in the show. And I mm -hmm. wonder if that was when they started to change the the character a little bit. Yeah, they've they've inserted in Redcon so many things into yeah. Alfred's history in order to make him like a more pliable character for Bruce. Like mm -hmm. uh military background, acting mm -hmm. background, theatrical yeah. experience. Yeah. Um like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And you gotta remember a lot of this was done over the first what, 30, 40, 50 mm -hmm. years of the character where continuity eh, didn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to King in Black, number one, from Marvel Comics, written by Donny Cates and art by Ryan Stegman, Darkness Reigns. After a campaign across the galaxy, no death march arrived to Earth, and, worse yet, he hasn't come alone. With an army of hundreds of thousands of symbiote dragons at his command, the King in Black is a force unlike any Earth's heroes have ever faced. Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom, has seen firsthand the chaos that even one of Noel's symbiotic monsters can wreck, can wreak, wreck, wreck. Uh, will he survive an encounter with the god of the abyss himself? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, well, it's a, it a hanging. It's a hanging question. Can he? Okay. He can. <laughs> Um, so, uh, JD, sorry, I was not laughing at you, but every time, and I have a feeling this will happen, whenever we review these books, I picture Noel, our <laughs> our colleague, coming with an army of symbiotes. Whenever you say <laughs> Noel is coming with an army of symbiotes. <laughs> oh, it, I, I heard it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's true. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, Christopher St. Saucy says, what about my questions? 
I answered them in the comments, yeah, so the he chat, should just relax. Uh, King, all right, so King in Black. Uh, this is a sequel to the Absolute Carnage mini maxi series. I almost said mini series. Uh, gigantic series that came out what two years ago? <laughs> uh, like a year and a half, I think. Right? Okay. Um, twenty eighteen. The end which, of twenty eighteen. Which I really enjoyed. Uh, and now this is this is Absolute Carnage Part Two. The 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 null is here, and uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and of course, you know, after you read comics for a certain amount of time, it's always like, we've never faced anything like this before. <laughs> oh my God, we're prepared. No, we aren't. Oh no. Um, it's only so many times you can do that without it starting to feel a little old. Um, and they do that here uh, to varying degrees of effect. I think. Uh, there are some cool moments in here, which are setups for things, and then just are undone. I was like, okay, that 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 wrapped up quick. Um, uh, one thing I noticed is Noel has the Venom Spider-Man spider on the chest, mm. and I always thought, why does why would he have that? The only reason the symbiote has the spider is because it was attached to Peter Parker. Why would Null have a spider on his chest? And you can't actually tell from the cover here, but uh, when other people draw it, the the image on Null's chest is not a spider, it's a dragon. Which I thought, uh. oh, what a cool little thing. I guess that's why. And then they were like, well, I guess he has a bunch of dragons. Symbiote dragons, why not? That There's a symbiote <laughs> dragon on his chest. Um, Although they did... In the in Secret Wars, when Spider Man got the costume, it looks a lot like the then current Spider Woman's uh, costume, and has this very similar symbol. And he's like, "Oh, I guess I saw her symbol, and it inspired me subconsciously to create this uh, this costume." But I mean, that's that can be forgotten. One of my all time favorite Spider Man costumes, by the way, that black costume. Always love that. Yeah. You know what? Can I Wars figure? Oh, sweet. What? Can, can I pitch to you guys, so it's a little sidetrack, but I've always thought a cool what-if story would be, what if, because the reason that Spider-Man got that costume was everyone was getting new costumes because those were destroyed, and they were like, oh, there's a costume machine in there. Just go get a new costume. And he gets it out of this machine, but it was a different machine. What if they all had gone to that machine instead, and Earth's heroes were, were beset with symptoms? <laughs> You've brought this up before because we, yeah, because the conversation <laughs> turned into uh, there was a Deadpool miniseries. Uh, oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. All right. I remember, like, as soon as you started that, I was like, deja vu. Uh. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, right, what do you think of the book? Uh, I thought it was exactly what I wanted. It was just fun. Like, there's, there's, um, this is the same. It's scratched by cheesy action movies or, or you know big frame action comic books. I I do wonder how... So I am reading Venom, and I did enjoy Absolute Carnage, so I've just kind of been picking up the threads that this all leads to. I do wonder how other people kind of absorbed it, hated it, liked it without those threads. I don't think that this is impenetrable, but a lot of the emotional beats are based off of 20 or 30 slowly seated issues of an ongoing. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, for me, it was probably a lot more effective than some other people on this on this uh, podcast. I'm not sure, but the art's fantastic. All of the beats hit like they're supposed to. This is the the um, 
the stakes being raised to a, a insurmountable degree, classic superhero stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I was pretty much the opposite. Oh, sorry. Sorry, JD. Uh, oh, go ahead, Brian. Oh, uh, the opposite from you. I liked it a lot. I was the opposite from you in terms of how much I had it. So to answer your question, um, um, it felt like book two of a story. You know, there was definitely like, I don't really know what, what is happening with this. I know enough about comics and these characters that it doesn't throw me. But it definitely feels like there was a lot of story that happened prior to this. Um, that being said, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a cool... Um, uh, I felt, like you said, J.D., there, there's only so many times that you can hear, like, oh, this is the worst, you know, kind of thing. And But I thought this one pulled it off um, in thinking, like, yeah, they, they would be uh, pretty worried about these <laughs> these occurrences and... And the pace and the action were enough to keep me involved. The only time I found myself thinking, come on, really, was when Captain America makes his speech to Null. And he's like, yeah. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> go on, go on. Yeah, well, when he's like, usually this is when you never, you know, when we win. But now we're just going to watch. And I'm like, really, this is the, this is the first time that... <laughs> that this has happened where this century, it just, it really felt like a completely ignoring the rest of superhero continuity kind of moment. Was that what you no. were thinking, Jade? No, well, actually I brought yeah. it up on the screen here. It's the beginning of the book and you have a really tight, really tight focus shot of Captain America's eyes and he's very serious and he is speechifying as if he is speeching to a, a room full of Avengers. Move, <coughs> come on people, it's go time. Ground teams and evacuation ships are mobilizing and drop sites as we speak, but we are on deck first. Let's get mean, shall we? And then it pulls out, and it's just him with three other people in front of a computer screen. Like, who are you speaking to? There's, like, three of your best friends are in the room. What's happening? When you're in a room with She-Hulk, you are always at level 10. <laughs> oh, I, was, I actually kind of laughed, and I was like, what? It's just... He's, he's giving a huge speech to three people in front of a computer. What's why? <laughs> what you're referring to, Brian, I thought was actually kind of funny. Like yeah. the idea of they've already and like they've already kind of gotten Sentry uh, ready mm -hmm. and, and keyed up, so they're just like, "Have at it, bitch!" Yeah. Like oh, I thought yeah. that was a boss move. I like that a lot. I'll tell you I what, like, it threw I me for a loop too. too. I thought they were talking about the Hulk, and I was like, "Oh, sweet." It's not the Hulk. So, <laughs> not that having, I don't love the Hulk, but... Having been reading all this, there's yeah. been a lot of speculation about how um, the Sentry will play into the story because there was a couple of lead-in issues about how, mm -hmm. you know, this Null is the is the um, original being of darkness and was there in, in the void uh, at the very cool. beginning of all time. Yeah. Um, there had been a lot of speculation about how in previous series with uh, the Sentry, they were kind of inferring that he's a god of light and that he is like his relationship with whatever's inside of him is blah 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 so there was a lot of speculation about how he'll play into the story and what i thought was great was like this makes me think that this is like seeded speculation from the creators of being like oh we're just gonna throw this at them and and mm -hmm. it's gonna be great and they're not even gonna know as in like it's not as important as you think but i, I do love this panel that you threw up there because it's it's a recreation of the siege where yeah. the sentry rips, well, it tries to be where the sentry I, I, rips uh, Ares in half. I is that okay? Is mm -hmm. that what happens? I've been I looked at the for so long and I was like, 
What is happening? Are those intestines? Is that void uh, tendrils? Uh, I, I see an arm over on void. the left, so I guess he was ripped in half. But like, it's like in in siege, you see both halves of Cletus Cassidy and the guts in between. Um, and this, I, I was like, is he just pulling something out of him? What's happening? So I guess he does rip him in yeah. half. That's what I it's, thought was happening today was that he was pulling the void out. Like, yes, he's shown to be ripped in half, but I thought that was a little more. Um, like maybe his body would be intact after this. He was just pulling the void out, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, he's only he's pulling the void out, but it's done as an homage to hmm. the exact kind of panel layout of ripping Ares in half. Right, but is Sentry ripped in half? Uh, I think ripped open, and that's okay. pulled out. Like the entrails right. is the void. I don't think he actually, you know. Okay. I wasn't supposed him, to. If I, if, was I supposed to assume that Sentry is now dead? Uh, I don't think you can kill him. Maybe so, he's yeah. maybe he's in pieces or incapacitated, but I don't think you can kill him. I assume, Len, uh, you're quiet because... <laughs> wow. I'm listening. Uh, I'm I, don't listening. Know, I don't know if you just... Well, what did you think of it? Well, first of all, let me just address some of the things that you, you guys were just bringing up, especially in regards to the um, Captain America's speech and waiting, figuring that you're going to turn the page. And I, too, like Brian, was <laughs> thinking that it was going to be the Hulk, because it would stand the reason that if you're waiting for somebody to just co totally wreck shop, who mm -hmm. you assume that the big bad is at least going to have a hard time dealing with, it is going to be the Hulk. When you turn the page and do you see that it's the century, then that makes me think, oh, this is not the Captain America that I know. Because the Captain America that I know realizes that the Sentry mm -hmm. is always just the biggest bluff in comic book history. <laughs> and that whenever he shows up, especially as the person that is going to save the day, know that is actually going to be two pages of the biggest fake out ever. And what do we see? We see two pages of the biggest fake out ever. And it has happened so many times, right in front of these same damn heroes, I can't believe that they were just hedging their bets on, yes, sir, here I come to say that they... No, you don't. You are the biggest waste of time ever. And I, too, like JD, don't know what happened on that page. Was he ripped in half? Was he ripped open? I didn't know it was an old boss to some other page. And if it was, it wasn't well done because JD, who reads everything, didn't catch it. And if JD didn't catch it, I damn sure am not going to catch it. And the fact that the three of you still are unsure of exactly what's <laughs> happening there means that I'm right in expecting that the century is not going to do anything in this book, but be the biggest fake out. So, oh, I agree with that. Yeah, he's so not going to do anything in this book. It I don't understand. Yeah. If we know that, why doesn't Captain America know that? Sure, he's, he's died and resurrected a few times, but he seems to come back with all of his faculties. So I would think <laughs> that he would remember that the century is a big fake out. Certainly Tony Stark would. You, you figure the rest of them would as well. That being said, the art on this book is great. It's fun art. It's fantastic art. It feels like, um, Brian said, a book two of what's going on. But because it is typical comic book, big event type of stuff, you can pretty much pick it up, read it, know what's going on, and keep it moving. Did I care about what was going on? Absolutely not. I did not care <laughs> one freaking bit. 
But you know what? This book is not for me. This book is for people like Noel who love the whole Venom storyline up to now. This book is for people who love Marvel comics in general and are just going to buy anything Marvel. This book is for people who love big, bombastic comic book superheroes just getting into these big cataclysmic events time after time after time and do not care about the redundancy of them. So, and for you people, I say enjoy. There's enough madness in this book for you to enjoy. Go ahead. Uh, the idea of this being issue two, I mean, you don't have to read the 30 issues and tie-ins of Venom and miniseries. Just read the five issues of Absolute Carnage if you feel like you're really that lost, because this is uh, this is pretty much a direct sequel. They, like it, it, The whole thing has been kind of structured as a way of like, that was one big movie. All of the issues of the comic that have happened between it is just like kind of lead in maybe television stuff. However, it's all just recapped really fast or catch up really fast here. You could literally just read the two events and be fine. Hey, no, didn't Eddie Brock have, uh, wasn't he missing a hand the last time we saw him? Yeah, that was, okay. that was taken care of. That was taken care of. Good, good, good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was excited. I was neat that the X-Men showed up. I wasn't expecting a uh, siege. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm reading a comment. It says siege and I, I confuse myself. Uh, yeah. The X-Men showing up is pretty cool. And I like that. Um, uh, Professor Xavier is doing his like big dramatic speech and storms. Like, <laughs> uh, shut up. I'm concentrating. <laughs> shut up. You're in my head. I thought that was pretty cool. I found myself thinking like, Oh cool. The, you know, the X-Men are here. I, I also enjoyed that. And I was like, well, I guess that, other than the Fantastic Four, that is now, there really are just X-Men and Avengers, you know, um, over the last 10 years or mm -hmm. since the movies. Like, it, the, everybody else's character groups are kind of fall into Avengers now, if they want them to, at least. Oh, uh, Christopher has a point. Um, I What I was thinking of was when the Century ripped Carnage in half, which is in the beginning of New Adven Avengers, and then mm -hmm. Siege... Um, in Siege, Sentry ripped Ares in two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the other guy. What did you call him? Um, the guy who's not Ares? Doesn't matter. Anyway. No, uh, there's a lot of people. Right. I said Ares. The God of War. Oh, my bad. Erratic number one from AWA Upshot, written and arted by Kare Andrews. You're 15 years old. You're suddenly granted incredible powers. Cool, right? There's only one problem. You can only use your powers for 10 minutes at a time. What do you do when you have to save the world, but you only have 10 minutes to do it? This is the problem faced by Oliver Leaf, a teenager who has just moved to a new town and a new school and is having a hard enough time now classes and his crush before the interdimensional monsters started showing up. Uh, Kari Andrews, I, I don't know if he, he's not a household name, but he is... Jadel's known name. Um, I really like Spider-Man Rain. He did a whole bunch of really wonderful Hulk covers, I think, during Bruce Jones' run. Uh, I might be wrong about the writer, but yeah, I started to notice him when he was doing the Hulk covers. And then he did uh, wrote and drew Spider-Man Rain, which was basically Dark Knight Returns for Spider-Man, which had some really cool parts in it. Um, I, I thought that's an underrated uh, story. I really enjoyed that. And now he's back doing a book for AWA, I thought this was really fun um, and pretty cute. What did you guys think, Noel? Uh, I thought it was fine. Um, 
there was there was a lot of parts of it that I that I thought were really really well done, and I really liked the art. Um, but then there was some like uh, over like over the board kind of overly dramatic aspects to it for I when I wasn't sure if it was played for laughs or I'm supposed to think these people are cartoonish uh especially like the teachers and stuff mm. um oh, I, so like cartoonish. I, yeah but it tonally, tonally it just hit flat for me so like the the students felt very real everyone else felt very cartoonish and it juxtaposed in kind of like a weird way that didn't really sit well um, and not in any kind of like it's broken and shitty, just in like a, if there's more to the reasons as to why these people are being portrayed like this, it wasn't an issue one. So right now it just feels loose ended. Um, also, the idea of whatever this kid can do and how he can do it. I I, I mean, we we got like two pages of something, but I'm not sure what it is. I guess there's a there's a whole nother kind of normal world where there's people with and without powers. Um, which is only hinted at, which is cool. Um, I think this was just fine. I, the art was beautiful. I, I've always oh, yeah. really liked Carrie Andrews' yeah. art. Um, and you keep mentioning Rain. That was such a cool miniseries. But he also did a really, really fun run on Immortal Iron Fist. Oh, right nice. after. it was He did one. He did a mini. Um, and then also, he's been, a, he's been a film director for a little while. He did a couple of horror oh. movies. Oh. Um. But yeah, he he's he's just a creative type that kind of like goes buck wild on things for a while and then comes back and forth. So like I was really happy to see his name, but so far this issue one was just kind of it was it was solid. You know, like three out of five. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought I thought again, the the art, you can't knock the art. I I like the character designs, I like the um the the acting in the art, I thought it was actually spot on. It actually, I, you know, I felt for moments. I mean, there's um, one scene where his mother, oh my God, this this this, this boy's mother, um, uh, who, who is unlike any mother that I've read in comic books for quite a long time. That is actually, that scene right there, Jada, that's exactly where I was going. That page is, is essentially just her having a conversation with somebody outside the store. But as you as you read the conversation and you read what she set herself and her family up for and the um, the disappointment that it is met with, it is all right there on the faces of the people that are, that are speaking the words. And I thought it was like, wow, this is really good acting. This is well paced out. Um, and it was something different, a different note, a different beat the, uh, to find in a story that has a lot of familiar beats with it, you know, like just young kids got powers, but you know, you know, that's also represents like the other half of his life, the other side of the guy. Um, so that was a, that was that was an interesting beat that, um, and and everything that's going on, how he has to take care of his his mom and what his mom is dealing with, like as evidence there and the scenes that uh, JD is showing. Her bouts um, apparently with alcohol, um, without trying to give too much away. Uh, I thought it was like was real. It was real, and considering considering like Noel said, the more cartoony aspects of some of the art and some of the situations that happens earlier in the book or throughout the book, 
I felt I still felt that tonally it still worked in much the same way that if especially let's face it today's you know comic book buyer and and media you know enthusiast uh, if you're ingrained in the work of manga and anime which can sometimes have a cartoony aspect to it yet the stories can definitely veer from page to page between serious to comedic um and and action and you still are invested in the story it still feels true and i felt that that was um held true for this story as well so that's why it it, it didn't take me out of it um and you're right Car- uh no carrie andrews is actually just a creative force yeah to to be aware of um his mixing of media in this book is truly truly spot on and it's one of those books that like you know this book like issue two takes six months to come out i won't care because i'll see the work on the page and i won't even mind um i really enjoyed it i enjoyed this book a lot this is this is a solid solid read it's funny you mentioned manga or manga because i I, you're right. I didn't realize that. Like the the um, the kind of wild um, character pitches uh, in between conversations. And I'll be completely honest with you, I don't read manga because of that. Like mm. I yeah. I don't enjoy that. Second, mm-hmm. so that, it kind that of will it stop makes, me from reading something. It makes more sense that I this, like there are pieces of like everything you said. I completely agree with, and I love what I love about this book. But a lot of the stuff tonally left me cold and it's the same stuff that leaves me cold when I read manga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have like, it's a pet peeve of mine when there'll be like, like you have up on screen right now, it is like story, story. And then there'll be like a minimalist panel that kind of displays their emotion. And I know that's the language of it. I just, uh, that look, that is one reason that I don't like, um, reading anime or watching anime or, or reading manga. Um, I felt this, Oh, also, JD, since you said nobody ever talks about Spider-Man Rain, I will I will go in as well. I loved that. I loved it, and the art was great. Like that's most of what I remember about that book. Um, I felt like this comic had kind of the opposite of what I have talked about about uh, the <laughs> fantasy stories that we've read, where they hit you with a ton of information and you don't really care about it. Sometimes, you know, this was like. There's like, I don't know. They're they're not telling me the things that I want to know about in this comic, and there's, you know, the stuff with the school is I don't know that the there's some sort of dystopian thing happening for sure. Um, we didn't get quite enough about it. I I just didn't find myself hooked. There were there were. Uh, we didn't see his power stuff. We don't know what's going on with him. And I, I wasn't really that into finding out what is going on with him. Um, all that being said, there is a lot of cool stuff, you know, like the art is very good. Um, I could see it being the kind of thing where it, once it's collected, it is good. You know, um, more of this story is, is uh, fleshed out. I found myself with the mom. I'm like, you moved based on what is essentially an internet scam. Like, yeah. The page, the page that you showed before, the page that you showed before of him kind of dealing with the landlord, there's mm-hmm. things in the panel that are just amazing that the Carrie Andrews puts in there. Like he's essentially covering for her. She's hiding behind the couch, mm. potentially passed out. 
Um, yeah, I think she and passed out. I, but that's just great. Like, um, that's the kind of stuff that uh, I think a, a less deft writer or artist would nail over the head. It's just a piece of a panel to give you more context that doesn't matter, but it does matter. But, but everything about this is, is great. It's just pieces of it left me cold. Maybe in trade or like the whole first arc, it'll feel more akin to Invincible and less um, kind of like random pieces of a story for something else. Yeah. Yeah, but I got a question for you, um, Billy. Yeah, yeah. The and and, and forgive me if I'm wrong. Forgive, and correct me if I'm wrong. But it sounds like like the pass that you would give a comic book or a story that is mm-hmm. more set in a fantasy or you know far out you know intergalactic um, setting mm-hmm. where you may not know everything that's going on. You're not mm-hmm. sure about what the story is setting up. So you'll give them a pass for maybe maybe like piecemealing out some a bit story bits and, and, mm-hmm. and ideas. You know, are you not willing to give this story the pass because it does have the familiar beats of like even no, just kind of like alluded to an invincible story, a Spider-Man story, a typical teenage superhero story where you're used to some of those settings and when mm. some of those those building blocks aren't there now you don't uh, uh, give it that, that same pass it might be that i just um yeah that's a possibility that i you know a lot of it took place in a school a lot of it took place where nothing extraordinary is happening and so he, they're kind of teasing about like there's clearly something is like every teacher is a model of some poor behavior, right? But apathy right. or whatever. Um, so and like there's a picture of um, of uh, Kim Jong Il mm-hmm. is yeah. is in those is in the class in a place where a where a revered uh, personage might be. Like there's some dystopian stuff happening here uh, for sure. Um, so it, maybe I would. I think it was the the normality of the setting which made me less willing to kind of forgive not knowing things. Is that is that a um, inherently? No, that's not the right way to ask the question. Um, does that matter though, Len? To your question, like, why would you give X a pass versus you know A a pass versus B a pass? Does it matter if you didn't necessarily enjoy? The ask like the story itself, like yeah, the the plot mechanics. You give a pass for mm. other stuff. You didn't under, if you didn't enjoy the tone or some of the characterizations. Why would you bother giving it a pass? Oh no 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 no! You're right. It, it, that ultimately doesn't matter if you're if you're not connecting to the, mm. the story. Yeah. I was specifically talking to about uh, some of the things mm. that he was saying. He wanted. That's why I I addressed it uh, specifically more to B because he was saying there were certain things that he kind of wanted to know that I thought that they were like kind of like teased out, but you know, like, are you teasing them out? You know, you're taking your time with it. Well, I meant it more. I meant that comment specifically as a counterpoint to how I have often complained about the opposite with, you know, it's like, Oh, these fantasy stories. Yeah. They, they like hit you with everything. And sometimes I can be more willing to get hit with everything and just be like, all right, let's, let's go through. But I'm thinking (laughs) of like uh, decorum. Right, you remember mm. that book where we don't know what is going on with decorum, but there was intriguing mm. stuff to me, and that's just like a, you know, like oh that idea looked cool or that art looked cool, um, kind of uh, techie or whatever. Um, and I don't know what would define like what would make me be okay with not getting 
the info or too much info or whatever. Yeah. I, I, part of me feels to you like this is this is make or break the second issue for mm-hmm. me because there was enough stuff to really love, but it just still kept me at arm's distance. Maybe with like ten more pages, hmm. it'll click. But mm-hmm. as it stands, it's, this was just kind of like, yeah, all right. Yeah, it could gel. <laughs> like there was, a, a, I think actually now that you said that, a, a lot of what I didn't connect with was a little discontinuity stuff. Like it felt like a bunch of pieces. And right when he gets it into his powers stuff is when it cuts out. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. No, maybe issue two could be a make or break. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed Sweet. it. Um, I, I, I love the artwork. I love Kari Andrews, um pacing in this issue. I know you thought you didn't get enough information. I thought we got just enough information. And we spent enough time with these main characters to get a sense of who they are and how they interact with each other. So then, you know... Uh, the end reveal was actually kind of like, oh, geez, you know, mm. I thought it was going to go one way and it doesn't. And yeah. I went, oh, yeah. oh gah. so um, I'm really excited for the second issue, especially since I don't think I've read anything from AD. Was it AWA Upstart? Yeah. I think we have. Yeah, we've read, no, um, we've read a couple things. Sentence. Oh, uh, I did not read anything from AWA Upstart that I've enjoyed yet, I don't think, um, to the extent that I'm enjoying this. This is the first book that I'm looking at and being like, oh, okay, maybe there's some interesting stuff coming from this publisher. Uh, I think we've dipped in before, and I've just been sort of um, uh, yeah, tapping for, on it, unless unless I'm forgetting a book. For the, for the uninitiated or people that haven't been listening for a while, AWA Upshot, we've covered um, American Ronin. Um, mm. oh. We tried Devil's Highway. Uh, we tried... Um, something else, but yeah, we, or, um, um, old haunts. We tried that. Um, and we tried, no, that's those. I think those are the three that we've, we've read, but they're all completely different books. Yeah. And I I thought JD, I think America. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sorry, JD. I'm sorry to cut you off. I thought, I thought you correct me if I'm wrong. I thought you liked American Ronin. I do, but uh, I I like this much more. I agree. Another thing about this, and this is, this is really just personal preference is, uh, the whole he only has his powers for a little while is really screws with my power fantasy, man. You know, I'm like, I don't want to have powers for ten minutes. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a spectacular conflict. I actually really like that. However, we didn't really get to see it. True. Or, or, or the so like that is a conflict that sets up so many quandaries, like so mm. many like different ways that it could go wrong or right, or you choose it for the wrong thing, and ah, mm, yeah, we don't really touch on it at all, which is fine. It's just. Such a good juicy conflict. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm Ooh, excited costume to too. This costume is badass. Oh, mm-hmm. I hate the costume. Yeah. Really? Oh, I, no, I like it. I hate the <laughs> costume and I hate the cover. I think the cover is uh, hard to figure out what's happening, which is fun because, you know, like I said, the first stuff I've seen from him was really, really amazing Hulk covers, um, and this I think it's a little like it's very Spider-Man-y. Yeah. But there's something oh, yeah. about the pose and the execution of the cover that it's it looks almost Man. like mess to me. I hate this costume. Like it's it's like <laughs> dime store Scarlet Spider. I I, yeah. I don't like it. No. It's true. I mean, there's a kid wearing a Miles Morales shirt in the comic, so I think that <laughs> uh, on purpose. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I had to like. I think he'll move like Spider Man like, oh, too. Okay. That this this there's like a thing. Oh, you, I, I, it's not up on screen. Sorry. There's the cover. <laughs> and I was like, I like all right, so cover. I see an arm on the left, and then there's a big mess on the right there, and then there's some 
elect, uh, electricity happening, I guess. Yeah. Oh, those are his fingers. His fingers have points on them, like the... the um, his toes do, too, like... 2099 Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, and then his hood has, a, has like, a, a point to it, but then I guess... What is that, a tail down there? What am I looking at? I don't know. A widow's peak in his hoodie. That is um, a tail. Yeah. It's yeah, on the next page, the yeah, first page together. Yeah. Oh, I he's think he'll t- be a very Spider-Man-y kind of character in his actions. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is some sort of like um, Giver type of scenario where it's a, a thing. It's an alien thing or a because uh. they talk about them being reborn. So mm. as long as this isn't like a kid in his closet makes a thing. <laughs> uh, okay, just explain yeah. to me why he looks like a weird amalgam of animals, Spider-Man, and a tail. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got those. He's got those headphones on that gamers use, with but they've got ears well, on. Them. He's got he's got head spikes that I have no idea. Or I think that's the other antenna. headphone. Yeah, oh, man, it's you know what, good stuff. It's a mess. <laughs> the series, the, the issue is great. Uh, the costume design isn't for me. All right, let's move on to some thunder rounds. Thunder round. Uh, Thunder Rounds is a 60 second review of a book. Brian, you're going to start us off with Far Sector Number 9 by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. There it is. 60 seconds, go. All right. Uh, Far Sector continues to be great, and now we're really getting into it, right? Like now we, we know a little bit more about Joe and what the situation is there and all kind of stuff. I liked the, um, the opening page where something we haven't gotten before, we get a little, uh, almost like a guardian analysis of having a different kind of ring, um, a ring that constantly recharges itself. So that was cool. Um, the, the issue in particular, uh, I think, moved the plot along in a, in a significant way. It felt a lot like the other issues, but I have a feeling that the, the place she discovers is going to be a crux of the plot, um, even though we don't quite get that here. Um, what else? It was... Uh, well, the the art is is phenomenal. I like she pulls the old "I'll dress as a guard" thing, and she's like, "Well, maybe they won't have heard of that here on this planet." <laughs> um, and I also like that she's got eighteen percent of power on her ring, and she is not using her ring. That End is a round. smart thing to do. End of round. End of round. End of, End of round. All right, who's next? Oh, Noel is with Fantastic Four Road Trip. It's a one shot by Christopher Cantwell and Felipe Andrade. Sixty seconds go. Hey, did you ever want to read Fantastic Four as a body horror story? <laughs> yes. This this is it. This is this is it. Um, uh, Reed Richards be Reed Richardsing during a family vacation to the Grand Canyon. It ends up being a trap, and they are imbued with all kinds of some sort of anti molecules that makes them all kind of um, become melty and gross and see through and shedding rocks and gooey and. Um, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a one shot. Um, it's, there's not too much to chew on other than the grotesque art. Um, it's a, it's a, it's very pulpy. Um, I mean, it's good. Uh, but I wish it was a little bit more than just, uh, kind of like an experiment in genre. Like this, this would have been better served as like two or three issues as opposed to one really quick one. Because even though the character design and the horror end is round. really like fun, end, end of round. You're not doing a thunder round video, Noel. You can't just make a ten minute 
video. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, I'm up next with Black Widow number four by Kelly Thompson, Elena Casagrande, and Carlos Gomez. Begin. No. End of round. <laughs> uh, this was great. Uh, we had talked about Black Widow number one when it first dropped about, I don't know, three or four months ago, and I think we were all pretty pretty uh we found it enjoyable and this it gets better and better uh this kelly thompson black widow miniseries is awesome i do not care about the black widow she shows up sometimes and i think she's kind of cool but otherwise i haven't read a long-running black widow series that i've enjoyed this much since uh mark wade's which is only a couple years old with chris somni which is fantastic and this pulls in some of the elements from that run as well which i think is really cool the art is wonderful the story is a lot of fun and deals a lot with um the movie it's got a lot in common with the long kiss goodnight if you haven't seen it it's great this was awesome um hawkeye and winter soldier a lot of fun in here and though is, is, is her name the white widow she shows up as well um and this is highly recommended i think this is going to be great when it's all said. end of round nailed it uh jd would you do a second thunder round on patreon.com i mean no I'll, I'll, all right I'll, listen uh i'll do 10 seconds Patreon.com is a second. place that you can Ten go. seconds on the clock. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> you can help uh, help the show out by going to Patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. Why you would help this show out, I don't know. But there are people who do it, and we... Oh. <laughs> Thank you. It's wonderful. Also, also, don't forget to like and subscribe. Comment down below. Uh, enjoy our channel. Also, go on Facebook, Cult Pop Cod Podcasts, and, and follow along. Yeah. What Noel says. Uh, Anthony Drago says, "Hoping DC will collect Far Sector as one nice heart." Of course they're gonna. Oh, I'm sure. Of course they're gonna collect it. Yeah, the as fact that they haven't. Heart, I think so. But. I, the fact that they haven't collected the first six as a separate thing makes me think that they're just gonna go straight to twelve. Not unlike they're doing with um, uh, Lois Lane, with uh, Jimmy Olsen, and uh, the Warren Ellis, <laughs> the Warren Ellis Batman book. There was no six issue. Volume one, they're just doing it all. As I, 12. I far prefer that. The two two, two collections of a very short story, like twelve issues or less, that just annoys me. Like yeah. it's a collected edition. I want it all in one collection. You know, that's what's cool about it. Agreed. Let's uh. move on to we're gonna we're gonna blow through these next because I gotta open my store in a little bit. Justice League Endless Winter number one special uh, from DC Comics, written by Andy Lanning on Mars, art by Howard Porter. The crossover event of the season begins here. The Justice League encounters an extinction-level global storm brewing at the former site of the Fortress of Solitude. Enter the Frost King, a monster mad with power with an army at his command. What devastating mystery lies in his past? And how does he tie to Queen Hippolyta, Swamp Thing, Viking Prince, and their reluctant ally Black Adam? Two timelines will reveal further clues and secrets throughout each chapter of this blockbuster tale. Um, and as as we were, I was lining this up to start talking about it, I got a notification on my phone that iFanboy called this their pick of the week. Uh, I had heard this a couple of days ago. I was not interested in this book at all. And I said, well, the iFanboys, they, they like, it's their pick of the week. Oh, man, I'm, I really misjudged the, the importance of this book. This is going to be great. I'm very excited to read this now. <laughs> and boy, boy, do me and iFanboy not have uh, uh, <laughs> agreement on this one. Holy cats. 
Uh, I thought it was cool that they picked up a thread from the Fortress of Solitude stuff. I think it was, was part of Bendis' Superman story. Um, and this just feels like a fifth week event. If anyone remembers what those are, back in the 90s, like anytime there was a fifth release week in a month, they would do an event uh, that would go through the annuals of those books, right? And uh, there was... Sometimes there was some cool stuff in there, but overall, for me as a reader, they were useless. They didn't have anything to do with the overall continuity of the of the um, the DC universe, and I just didn't care about them. This feels very much like that. It feels very inconsequential. Uh, I was a little bored. Um, I, I, there's a sequence where uh, Wonder Woman offers Batman a ride home because they're somewhere far away, but like, how did he get there? Like. <laughs> All right, um, and then all of a sudden he's got a super cool snowsuit, even though he was in the snow earlier in the issue, but now he's, I don't know. That's all dumb stuff. Listen, listen, this is the stuff I'm thinking about because I didn't care about the rest of the issue. That's my review. What did you think, Len? Um, yeah, this was, this, this was dumb. <laughs> this was just dumb. It was just a dumb waste of pages. Um, uh, you know... Lanning and Ron Mars individually are two very talented writers, but they are two great tastes that taste like shit together. This is um, <laughs> some, so, this is really just dumb, dumb, dumb. But I could have myself kind of said the same thing about King of, King in Black. Yet that's picking up on threads. Um, and it's, it's picking up well on threads from stories that were, um, set previously and more importantly as big and bombastic and as as dumb to me as king and black is it's great art which still draws me in and makes it a lot of fun what happened to the artist howard porter there yeah. was a time when this guy let's get let's get it straight he was never jim lee he was never John Byrne. He was never um, one of the one of the greats of all time, and he didn't show that he had the chops that said he was destined to be. But he certainly showed that he was going to be a artist of note for a time. That time has long passed because this is one ugly comic book. Aww. This, oh, I, I'm sorry, JD. I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, like, yeah, is he better than, like, your typical amateur artists or, or some of your more lesser tier independent books? Maybe. Not much. I think, his, I think he draws ugly people. His, his Wonder Woman is indistinguishable as a woman. Um, this, I find every aspect of this book to be, to, considering that it is Howard Porter, to be almost amateurish in, in the way that it's done. The, the line art, the, the, the perspective of the characters with one another. There's a scene where um, Flash and Black Lightning literally tower over a Christmas tree. That is, I mean, like, what the <laughs> hell is going on in this, this book? It is a really ugly, dumb comic and a waste of time. And I, who never have noted the, the altar of iFanboy, but, you know, people like them, people who I know respect them. So I'm like, I give them some kind of note. I got a question. What were they thinking if they made right, this yeah. their book of the, the, book so of the week? I want, I want to talk. I actually kind of want to talk about this. I, I, I listen to iFanboy. I, well, I, I haven't in a little bit, but I, I think that they're great. But um, there are times when they have 
pick of the week nostalgia style picks. So mm. like something will be remind them of a run that they adored. Like mm. Connor's actually guilty of this a lot. Like a run that they adored, it just reminds them, and it's just kind of like, oh, this was fun, and it reminded me of this. So it's it was my favorite thing I read this week. And when I saw that it was this, I immediately thought like, I should read this. Is this because it was surprisingly great, or because it reminded them of something that they loved? It is and a nineties style comic. Like, I man. feel like maybe it is. I okay. I suspect it's the latter. I have to the episode, but I can't. There are, uh, I think I had like fifteen books on my pull. Um, there are fifteen other books I enjoyed reading more than this. <laughs> yeah. uh, on the topic of the art, I was so I really liked Howard Porter, and and I didn't think that this art was bad. I just not what I expect usually from him. But JD, can you go to the the first appearance of the Justice League here? You see the Flash and Green Lantern, and I want to know who is cosplaying as John Stewart in this <laughs> in this comic. <laughs> like this guy is just some dude who does not remind me of John Stewart at all. You know, <laughs> you mean his face? His face? Just his face? Yeah. Like yeah. he's. I mean, he's obviously in the costume, but I'm I'm looking at him like just there's something that doesn't look like John Stewart about him. You know. Um, yeah, it, it just really stood out to me. I mean, all of their, you know, like the Flash doesn't look that great on that page either. But um, uh, I like his, I like yeah. his speed kneecaps. That's cool. Yeah. Um, um, there's yeah, some coloring stuff too. Oh, sorry, JD, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, oh, just there's some coloring stuff where like mm. the Flash's symbol is red at one point, which is a more easily understood mistake than. Superman's the top of his boots being yellow, I noticed which was boots. unusual. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I overall, I, yeah, it was just, I mean, it's just one. It was just one. No, time. I mean, like I, I think I kind of toned it. Like I, I oh, genuinely yeah. forgot this the last third of this book. Like what transpired. <laughs> There's like a ice monster guy in the snow. Yeah, it's, and then yeah, I mean that's cool. That's fine. Also, they why sent would the Sup- entire Justice League mm-hmm. to take care of Catman? Who are these characters? It's Catman. <laughs> Catman, Icicle, Rampage. It's the Secret Six. Ish. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, but also who took over an entire government, which seems like, how long did they think they were going to get away with that? Yeah. You know? Um, now, the interaction of the Justice League was one thing about it that I liked. I did not have high hopes going into it. I kind of thought it would be like a, a side book. I mean, we've got Future State coming up. We're in the middle of Death Metal. And here's this other, the event of the season, as JD put it, winter being that season, yeah. and it won't be for the next month. Um, I'll tell this you, book. this is the winteriest event this it's season. It's also, it's it's also feels the most endless. Ah, it's only one episode. So <laughs> um, yeah, I thought their like their interactions were were fun. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, which is a lot about expectations. You know, I, yeah, I was like, this is going to be a nothing book. And I read it and it was, and (laughs) I was like, all right, you know, it was still the justice league. And that was, that was fine. That was cool. I like, I like the idea. Like it was going to be a nothing book and I was right. It's like, it's like, I appreciate that I was correct. More than I appreciate. Really? Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, uh, uh, um, anyway, Let's move on from that sentence. Uh, I did enjoy the new book. Thank you. Oh, but what about the end of it? What about it? I'm interested in that. I I mean, so I'm a sucker for like the distant past stuff or like Teth Adam from the. So I'm into that, and I'm I'm interested to see what happens. 
Also, can I ask you guys a question? Are Black Lightning's kids not adults in current continuity? Or at least young adults? I don't know. They, they were at one time. I don't okay. Who knows? I thought, they were yeah. at one time. Okay, I thought they were. Like, the last I remember really seeing them was pre-New 52. But um, they seem to be kids here, but that could just be an art thing, too. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. an art thing. <laughs> They're written as babies. Like, how is that an art thing? That Are is they? true. Is that... Is that in the? They're decorating the, the Christmas tree and talking about like the like they're they're written as children. They're they are written definitely as like young small children. Yeah. They yeah. are significantly shorter than both Black Lightning and the tree. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's move Thank on you. to Daredevil number twenty-five, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. Faced with the reality and consequences of his actions, will Daredevil have the stomach to serve his term? We're still facing down a prison's worth of criminals he helped put away. Will he survive it? Um, I have to go open the store. So you guys talk about this book. Noel. Uh, yeah, so I loved this. Um, I heard earlier this week that this was going to be some sort of seminal issue that no one is paying attention to. And, and you should all check it out. And the retailers are going to be depleted. And bah. <laughs> uh, which, proved, which proved to be correct. Um, but because of all that hearsay, I was like, you know what? I'm going to check this shit out. We've read maybe three issues of this run so far and covered it for the show. Like, I think we read the first issue. We read the annual a little bit a while ago and then just kind of read a random uh, issue. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've liked every single one of them because I really like Chip Zdarsky's work so far. Uh, but this was something that I was waiting to collect and I was not interested in, in jumping in. However, because of all the hubbub, jumped in. I I loved this. Um, it took a bunch of things that were incredibly familiar in Daredevil continuity. The idea mm. of, let's put him in prison. Done it. Uh, let's have somebody else in the costume. Done it. Let's, uh, let's, you know, show the legacy of the Kingpin and blah, blah, blah. Done it. Let's buy up all of, of uh, uh, Hell's Kitchen. Hell's they've Kitchen. Done they've done, they've mm. done all of this stuff before. But the context in which he does it here and the subtle twists that he puts on all of it is such a baller uh, popular fiction move where you take things that people are familiar with and you just twist them by like 15 to 20%. So it feels like uh, it feels original and it feels fresh without betraying uh, what came before. So like this hits so many good marks and the fact that it's bolstered by Marco Cicchetto's art just doubles down. I, I really, really loved this issue. Yes, yeah, I, 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 you're right. The beats feel familiar, um, but that is indicative of Daredevil as a whole. Like Daredevil mm -hmm. is a book um, that it's funny. I'm looking here at my at my shelves, and I probably have more Daredevil collections than I have Batman collections. I mean, that's really? how long. Because I, I was a, a huge fan of Daredevil, yeah. starting with the Bendis run. I like Greg Rucker's run, and then I like Mark Wade's. That's yeah. a nice, that's a, more than a few years of yeah. Daredevil. So, which means that a lot of these beats I've seen play out a number of times. You know, I've seen Bullseye stab Electro. We've all seen that scene <laughs> since, the, yeah. since the 80s. Um, but so, so a lot of the beats are familiar. Um, you're right. You know, it, it does put a, a, a little tweak on them, which is what you're, you always try to do. Um, 
But the saving grace of it is the art by Marco Cecchetto, which is beautiful. It is really, really beautiful art. Um, I felt like uh, it, it was interesting reading this and reading Batman Catwoman today, this week, because while they're definitely telling two different stories, I felt the artwork kind of put them almost like in a similar universes to me. And it was actually kind of like fun reading that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why, maybe that's just the way my, my mind worked on it. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know how much I'm ready for the, the return to this lower level Daredevil after Mark Wade's run, um, which is why I didn't return to Daredevil after that. But I, it is, you know, um, it does feel good to know, having returned to the book, that it is in good hands, that, he, that they're do, still doing things. Daredevil is still a book that very much lives on its own within the Marvel Universe, one of the few um, that, you know, you know, the, the universe touches in on it every once in a while, but not a whole lot. And I think that is one of the saving graces of the book. Um, and it's the Chip Zadarsky's writing still feels true. It still feels like Matt Murdock. It still felt like Elektra. Um, I hadn't known that Stick had come back, but hey, Stick's back. Um, I liked it. I liked it. It was a good book. I, the, 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 the art again, the way that he draw. I talked about this in a Thunder Round. If you guys wanted to see full thoughts, go back, or I don't go 60 seconds. But the way that they depict, or the way that he depicts Electra, um, I love it. Like, she is, like, with her very large, uh, freezing mm -hmm. Greek hair, mm -hmm. it's, uh, the way that she just kind of slithers into to to frame um there's an ethereal quality to her that yeah. is just amazing it, it it makes her it makes her more of a mythological character in this book like a like a goddess that that matt is the only one can touch you know mm -hmm. like there's there's a lot of like really great contextual stuff that they do through the art and i mean i i didn't see the end coming even though i should have because i was just enjoying all the pieces right like i didn't i didn't immediately assume that it was going to be like that uh that that was going to happen if we're going to bother spoiling i think it's all over I mean, the place i feel like we can yeah this, this one Electric. is pretty open so so um the very first issue of this entire series matt is off his game accidentally kills someone the the whole 20 issues since then it's been back and forth what he should do legally about it he um, surrenders himself and now he's in prison for two years uh, she takes over the mantle of Daredevil um, so Electra becomes Daredevil this is not dissimilar from the other times that other characters have worn the costume, I think Iron Fist wore it for a little while, Peter Parker wore it at one point like to, to kind of bolster the myth of Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen in order to keep things calm while he's not off the board this mm -hmm. is the first time that Electra's done it, had a motivation to do it the costume design is fucking awesome. Just yeah. straight up awesome. Yeah. Um, and and her motivation is fantastic too. Like she now has the, um, the belief in this myth that um, she is needed to uh, serve light, serve good. Whether that's for nefarious purposes or not, it puts her in a very, very, really cool um, anti-hero space that's plausible for the character. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of the Brubaker run where they killed Captain America. You take him off the board, and the book becomes more interesting and more appealing because they they um, elevate all of the supporting cast and kind of show you the true measure of the hero by taking him out of the equation instead of just constantly telling you he's great. Like it's just it's just a really great story beat. I loved it. Is this the first I also time liked- that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, is this the first time that somebody else has taken over the role of Daredevil? Um, as far as the public in the Marvel universe is concerned, you know, like Peter Parker, I know took it over, but like with the express purpose of convincing people. I'm going to say yes. Okay, I'm going to say yes because, I like, as as far as anybody in the in, in the world will know, it was just a guy. Right. Um, right. This is obviously a woman, so pr- probably, probably, and a different costume and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I didn't notice until we just threw it up on screen, but the trade dress. I don't know if the Daredevil usually goes off of the page, but it's cool. You know, they've got the, like, he's in these, like, white lines as the prison bars, um, mm-hmm. which are almost like comic panel lines. And then the the trade dress is cool. Um, I found myself really liking this book a lot more than I thought I would. I mean, I wasn't expecting to dislike it, but, mm. you know, Daredevil is, he's always, like, kind of take it or leave it for me. Like, he's he's cool, but I would rarely pick up a book because Daredevil is involved, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, but we were reading it, and I'd heard that there was uh, all this stuff happening. And I thought it was great. I, I really, like, moved through it. Um, oh, uh, Electra, one detail of her costume, it's a, it's a cool combination of her normal look and Daredevil. And she's got mm-hmm. Billy Club size. That yeah. are you know not pointy anymore, um, and she throws them at him. Uh, I do find it funny. Is Matt Murdock's uh, mask prison jumpsuit yeah. material? Is that the same? I, well, I, he's he's not he's not, he's not in prison, and he's not convicted as Matt Murdock. He's convicted and right. in prison as Daredevil um, because in the Marvel universe, there's um, uh, legal precedent for being able to take the stand. Uh, in mass uh, in order to be a witness to crime. Hmm. Um, so they took this weird uh, continuity hiccup and turned it into new legal precedent of being able to be tried for a crime as a uh, mass vigilante. And that's an interesting your, idea too. Yeah. So yeah. Like, if you think about it too, like to protect your, to protect all of the, the um, testimony that you would have had before or given before based off of your vigilante or your masked persona, you can also be tried mm-hmm. for a crime. As So like Daredevil is in prison this time, not Matt Murdock, which and is like a sense. really weird distinction. Yeah. yeah. Like if you were in that world in, in however smart it might be to have a bunch of superhero vigilantes, it, it works out fairly well for the Marvel universe. You know, they've saved the world a lot and they, they do a lot of good mm-hmm. stuff. And it makes sense to say like, okay, we, we can also imprison this. We can, the, the costume, that entity is a legal entity. Um, it yeah. would be something that they, they could conceivably do uh, in their world. So the, the, I know, I know we pay attention a lot to like the big, the big events and the, the other books and the, the big characters and Spider-Man a lot. But I, I truly believe like in 20 plus years of reading, the the real strength of like the line and the overall continuity for Marvel is is based off of the strength of how quietly good Daredevil is 
and how mm-hmm. quietly good Captain America is. If those two titles are just like under the radar performing or or just very enjoyable and solid, then it seems like everything else is healthy. I'm not exactly sure what the what the uh, mm. analogy over on DC is. Maybe it's Batman and Superman or like the Wonder Woman book that no one talks about. But when Daredevil and and Captain America are as good as they've been, and people are just not really talking about it. Um, it, I think everything else just kind of like feels stronger because of it. They're like the backbone of the Marvel universe. The, the big two that symbol. I never read regularly. You should. So, yeah. like the you big should. symbol superhero and the street level vigilante. If these mm. two books, these polar opposites are strong, usually the entire line is strong. And then somewhere in the middle, you've got Spider-Man who's like you know, the public figure, but street level. But it's like mm. these two polar opposites are the Marvel universe to me. You see them and as polar opposites. That's interesting. I, I think their function is polar opposites. Yes, like uh, um, I Patrick see them America as more similar a, characters. Yes, yeah, see, polar, that's, but see, not that's, their function. That's because you don't read. You don't read Daredevil. Um, it, it goes back a, a, a long time, but there is one of the best Daredevil stories that Frank Miller wrote, um, "Born Again," and mm-hmm. a piece of that that story actually uh, explicitly deals with. The, the differences between Captain America mm. and Daredevil. Um, and I think what Noel has said has kind of like, I, he really hit it on the head because as, you, as I was thinking about that, you, you probably are right. I too have followed Captain America and Daredevil for a long time. And they do kind of like support the backbone of the Marvel Universe. Daredevil is very much the street. You would think Spider-Man is, but Spider-Man goes so much into both worlds. He mm. really doesn't, you know, it's not the streets too. of Marvel. Mm. Right, right. Where Daredevil is, is certainly more like, you know, grounded right in Hell's Kitchen. And Captain America, as much as you can get into the spy genre with him, he still very much is Mr. Avenger. You know what I mean? Mm. So he is like that aspect of the Marvel Universe, you know, um, that right there in that comic book. So I think you you hit it on the head. No, there's one bit in this comic book that did leave me a little cold. <laughs> um, and that is where Elektra, I'm assuming, having no ideas how the streets work, <laughs> has a homeless woman come up to her and ask her, you know, hey, can you like, you know, spare a little bit of, a bit of money, you know, I'm out here on these streets. And Elektra says, I don't, you know, I don't carry cash. However, I have this $90,000 necklace, $5,000 necklace. This will get you two on the street. Go, take this, and be well. <laughs> we know these streets. The second this old woman with her shopping cart turns the corner, <laughs> we know that she has been knocked upside the head <laughs> and has had her shopping cart and this $5,000 necklace taken from her or if she even should happen to make it to somebody who she thinks is a fence and let's face it did this woman look like she really knew what a fence was or where to go the fence no, this right. necklace right. no because she makes it there you know nothing good is going to happen and it it it, it doesn't ring true that Electra doesn't know this also i'll tell you I, the I, the part about that that didn't ring true for me was like Electra just i think bought most of hell's kitchen right 
This woman uh, says, yeah. I don't have an apartment. That's my major problem. And she's like, sorry, I don't have five bucks. Here's a, here's a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep I, on this. Right. This is, it, it's definitely like a not thought out move, but I actually <laughs> think that it's, it's as to what the hero she might be. Mm. <laughs> like, not very good at it. I mean, right. she's really good at beating the crap out of people, right. but being any kind of, like, stabling force of good is not going to be successful, which makes this even more kind of appealing. Now, I have read that um, this is this is new status quo. This isn't, like, in four issues, she's out of costume. As far as, like, Zdarsky's run is concerned. Yeah. yeah, as far as Zdarsky's run is concerned, this is the new status quo of the book. Like, Murdoch um, doesn't find some some quirky way to no, get out of prison. Like he spends two years not in gonna, prison. Yeah, there's not going to be yeah. a legal loophole. Maybe it'll be right, less right. than two years, obviously. However, it's this mm. this is going to be status quo for a period of time. So it's they're trying to make it stick. You know what? Not, not that. They're not trying to make it stick like it's a gimmick. Right. They're trying to make their case for making this change as opposed to it just being an action figure. Mm. Mm. Which... Again, I truly appreciate yeah. it. Oh, yeah, no, I would buy the crap out of this, this Marvel Select figure. I love this costume so much. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's cool. Now, guys, I've been thinking about you, the Captain America Daredevil comparison that, or, or contrast that you mentioned, and I, I see your points. I Neither one is very cosmic, <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I see your point. No, you make some really good points. Yeah. Um, but neither one is very cosmic. You know what I mean? Like, neither Not one true. hits Cap. Yeah, I mean, he's involved. He is involved in he's involved. every single cosmic. Yeah, oh, I mean sure. that makes him a cosmic yeah. character. Every single I cosmic guess. struggle, he's a part of. Daredevil? No, yeah, he's busy with his streets. Oh, sure, for sure. But he's no Silver Surfer. You know what I mean? Like he's no uh, Gladiator or whatever. I'm talking like the way that the way that these characters are depicted, one being a symbol and one being a vigilante. Yeah. Yeah, are polar opposites in like, right, the, the language of the Marvel universe. I can see that. Does he ever do separate question? Does he ever do cosmic stuff in his own book, though? Does that ever come up? No, not no. in the last twenty years. Right, right. No, okay, thirty years. Yeah, uh, but counterpoint. One of the only times I've read Captain America was the Ed Brubaker, um, you know, Bucky as Cap runs. Mm. Really enjoy. Mm. I didn't stick with it through the whole thing, but I really liked it. And um, as I recall, the Marvel Universe was pretty solid around that time. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, I really do like. Maybe there's a maybe there's a um, a college level thesis that could be written mm. that no one would read about the strength of these two titles mm. and how it like um, bolsters like the success kind of, of uh, mm. the success of, success of storytelling in the Marvel Universe or across the line at that period of time. Mm. But I I feel like it's true, so it must be mm. true. Oh, there you go. It's yeah. good enough for me. Yeah, when Brubaker, <laughs> when Brubaker was on um, Captain America and Bendis, that period of time where they kind of overlapped, mm-hmm. and then Brubaker took over, that was a period of time. That was the you know the new Avengers universe yeah. of, of Marvel mm-hmm. Comics and mm-hmm. all those events that really felt like they mattered. Um, that was that was and even the, and and I think at the time, uh, what was the Spider Man book at the time was J. Michael Straczynski too. So like really like straddling the line between those other two polar opposites. Hmm. When those three books are are hitting, man, the hmm. whole universe just feels right. Right on. Yeah, I said I said uh, uh, Rucker's there, but I meant Brubaker. My bad. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, but you're right. Like um, a couple years ago, not a couple years ago, just not that long ago, somebody asked me who my favorite Marvel character is, and I immediately just kind of looked over at my shelf, and I was shocked <laughs> to, that I have more Daredevil hardcover collections than any other character. But hmm. under a gun, I wouldn't have said Daredevil's my favorite character. Well, I think I've there can be more a... Daredevil than anyone else. I think there can be a disconnect there. There are definitely times where I'm like, these these characters are my favorite, or even this company is still my favorite. But the books I'm really excited about every week are a different set of characters or even company. Shouldn't, you know? shouldn't, that, force you, shouldn't that force you to, or not force you to, but shouldn't that inspire you to start questioning your definitions of, of like and versus enjoyment? Well, like, I'm not a big mm. I'm not a big chooser of favorites anyway. You know, I like to think of things more as a constellation than a linear sort of thing. But also, you know, comics, it's like, yeah, I love the Hulk. Hasn't been great in six years, but I love it. You know, one day it'll come back around. I mean, speaking uh, of the Hulk, that was just that was just great. an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that what's going on in the Hulk right now isn't good. I haven't been reading it, but it does look cool. Um, and, and, you know, there's a, a certain kind of comics reading where it's like, yeah, but if I don't stick with it, I won't know when it gets good mm-hmm. again. Like this is the ups and downs of serialized comics. Oh, I, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, like if we're going to, if we're going to go slightly go off the beaten path, I'm having that particular struggle with, with Batman. I keep re-upping mm. and I keep hating that I keep re-upping yeah. and it's just like, yeah. no, we're done. I'm done. Like I, yeah. I wanted to drop it back in 90, like issue 94, but I was like, you know what? I'll hold off for this yeah, Joker yeah. one. It'll be good. And then the let it go. I am. I am. He's I let it go. Yeah. You go. It's just, yeah. I, it's hard. You, you do want to be there when things happen, yeah. but you also want to just like, I can't anymore. Yeah. I need to, I need to step away so I could re fall in love with like the aspect of these characters or just read other stuff that, you know, there's so much stuff now. There's so much then, in both TV and everywhere that, I have given up on on trying to see everything or like things that people recommend. If it doesn't grab me, it's just, you know, move on to something you're actually enjoying. So to your point, Noel, like, yeah, and it's definitely as I've gotten older, it's been like, well, what am I actually enjoying? What do I want to read? Um, but it, that doesn't change my all-time favorites or maybe very slowly will change my all-time favorites kind of thing. To, to bring it back around to 25, though, you can just pick up a tissue and start. Yeah, definitely. This, this was sure. this was very entry happy or 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 friendly. Mm-hmm. Like you, in the first two pages, you get he's in jail, he's stuck there. That's cool. Now what? Mm-hmm. Like you don't necessarily like all the other little like things that kind of happened beforehand to, to to precipitate this this conflict. Yeah, that's great. You don't necessarily need it to no. enjoy this. This was just such a great jumping point. I liked it a lot. Classic comic booking, kind mm-hmm. of like start this off. Yeah, uh, JD, you are Mike. Oh, you're, is, you're, is you're muted, muted, man. You muted. Yeah, the thumbs up came through. Okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Are you done? Yes. yes. Uh, we are. All but right. uh, or, Len, did you want to? Did you want to talk about the? We're going long. We're going let's long. go. Let's, let's right. going long. Let's go. Right, right. JD's got to do the store. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, join us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We're live streaming the podcast. You can check us out on iTunes, the audio versions anyway. Um, also, during the week, we do the Thunder Round videos, which is a 60-second reviews of almost anything, usually they're comics. Uh, Noel and I do them, and they're a bucket of fun. No one else here uh, does one. I don't know why. Probably because... <laughs> it's a secret campaign of hatred. No, where can, where can people tweet at you? Where can they find you on the internet? Um, people can send me their favorite microaggressions 
uh, and passive aggressiveness and Twitter uh, at Mr. Bartocci. It's right there on the screen. M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I. I I love it. I love it. I eat it for breakfast. Nom, 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 nom. Len? Hey, holler at Len um, at The Bat Tribble on Twitter, and you can holler at find me any place and every place that you find the Black Tribbles on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Holler at us. Holler at a Tribble. And Brian. Hey, I'm at uh, brianlieb.com, and I eat regular breakfast for breakfast, so send me some breakfast. <laughs> Give me your microaggressions. I want passive, <laughs> passive delicious. Hey, to be fair, <laughs> was, that not, was that a microaggression or was it just macro? I think it was just, I think it was macro. It was very on the surface. It was, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Bye.